Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Again, my name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here and you've, uh, you've chosen a great time to be with us, man, wasn't that video for VBS amazing? It's awesome to see what God did and just to get a glimpse of that. I, I told my wife and I've told a few other people that it's one thing to be even a pastor on staff. And I've been here for a while seeing VBS. I've walked through every single year, seen what's happening in every single classroom and, and have seen what the teachers have done. And, and you probably saw me again this time. But there is nothing like having your child attend VBS and having a three-year-old, have Lily there and have her come home and say, Mommy, Daddy, I was made by God. It's like, oh my goodness. You know, God loves me. Like she, I was learning these truths that she's not remembering. And I, she got sick the last night of VBS. She wasn't able to be here for the celebration. And I told Mandy, I said, this breaks my heart that, me, that Lily can't go. And she says, it's okay, Daddy, if Jesus could put your broken heart back together. <laughs> and Mandy's like, that's what she learned last night at VBS. I'm like, what? Like my three-year-old at the mouths of children. And so, uh, so I'm so thankful for what God's doing. I'm seeing it through a whole new lens. And so parents, would you agree with me and say amen for the great work and the great deposit that's been made into our children? We're thankful for that. We're thankful for the hundreds of lives that have been impacted. And that, uh, that does segue into what we're talking about here. We're talking about making an impact and uh, leaving a legacy, one that doesn't just end with us, but goes on to future generations. We're in a series of messages right now, and the title of the series is Four People Every Person Needs. And to understand this, and um, to understand this better, I, I want to actually walk through um, a little bit of a, uh, a story with you. And so um, there's a guy named Zig Ziglar, who many would know, a famous um, author, and what he uh, shares is a story about these Belgian horses. These Belgian horses are powerful animals. They can carry a lot of weight. They can carry more than many people uh, would be able to imagine. In fact, uh, it's known that one Belgian horse could move uh, up to 8,000 pounds. So let's just wrap our heads around that real quick. Up to 8,000 pounds it can move. So that's one horse. Now, if you would take that and you would add a second horse... What they say is that if these, these are just two random Belgian horses that you put up next to each other, you yoke them together, and you have them pull a load, they could pull up to 16,000 pounds, some would imagine, right? Double. No, they say if you put them together, it's up to 24,000 pounds, two of them. So now they've gotten a significant increase that not only can they do double, they can do almost triple what one horse could do on his own. So there's this multiplying factor that's happening. Now, what's not, what, what you'd say is that, I, I know that, Pastor. I mean, we talk about that, the idea of, you know, we're better together and moving it together. But here's where the story turns itself on its head, because those are just two Belgian horses that don't know one another. They're just randomly paired up and selected. They've never come in contact before. But if you get two Belgian horses and you train them together, they become familiar with one another. They become connected to each other by more than just the yoke, but truly become connected to each other. Those two, in that kind of relationship, in that kind of training, can actually pull up to 32,000 pounds Four times the amount of one. Now, the first service sounded a lot more impressed with that number. That's a big number. That's four times the amount. Two of them doing double each because they're better together. 
And I want to talk to you about this because that is the example of what I want to call an empowering relationship. That when they're connected to each other, when they become connected and trained in that way, they're able to accomplish significantly, exponentially more than they could ever do on their own. So why this series of messages? Because I believe that God has provided us with, in, with, with individuals and with relationships. And if we would be a part of these empowering relationships, like I believe God wants to provide for every single one of us, that we become better and we become able to do more than we could ever imagine, more than you could ever think that can be done in and through your life. But it's waiting on the other side of some of these God-ordained providential relationships that truly empower your life. And so that's why we have this series, Four People Every Person Needs, because there are four of them that I wanted to highlight out of God's Word. These are relationships that are centered on God. These are relationships that we see prescribed in God's Word. And so that's why we have these four boxes back here across uh, the back of the platform. And the middle one, or, you know, if you'd say, which of these is not like the other, right? One of them is a bird. And you say, what's that all about? You know what that's about. It's a dove, and that's meant to represent the person of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit in Scripture, and this is the third person of the Trinity. And I want you to know that it's God's desire that each one of us would have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, that we'd walk in the Spirit, that we would experience His power and His presence in our lives. He is the one that Jesus promised would give us power. Power to be a witness for Christ, power to live differently, the power to live for God. And so that's why that's the first person that every person needs. It's the first one in our series that we talked about. Then we have this gentleman over here that's holding his hands up in the air. Some ask, Pastor, is that a silhouette of you? No, thank you, but that's not me. Um, I don't know where they got that silhouette of that person. But this person, it's like, I, I just imagine someone lifting their hands, celebrating, cheering someone on. Imagine a runner that's running towards a finish line. It's just like, come on, you can do it. Uh, the encourager, the one lifting up someone's arms. This is Barnabas. And I want you to know, each one of us, we need a Barnabas in our lives. A Barnabas is a, is a godly friend. It's someone who God will bring into our lives, who will stand with us shoulder to shoulder and encourage us in our journey, encourage us in our walk with God. This isn't someone that goes out ahead of us or behind us. This is a person that's right there in the thick of life with us. It's a friend that you can speak to, that you can be candid with, that can challenge you, that can call you out on stuff that could speak clearly with you. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. This is the kind of godly relationship that I believe every one of us need in our lives. You may have friends, you may have colleagues, you may have co-workers, but I want you to know, you need a Barnabas in your life, someone who God will put in your life that you could truly be a friend, that you could truly encourage one another, that you can truly um, have accountability with, that can help you in your walk with God because they're right there in it with you. Someone that you could share your heart, your life, you could be you with. We see Barnabas shows up in Scripture, and he really comes alongside of Paul, and for a season he pours into Paul, but for much of their journey, they're walking shoulder to shoulder. So this is a friend. And you know what? He's that kind of friend that can call you. Maybe some of you have that kind of person that can not just call you on the phone, but can call you on your stuff. They can say, hey, come on, get with it, man. What are you doing? They can speak to you clearly and candidly that doesn't need to pull any punches, that can really let you know if they need to correct you. They could speak a word of encouragement to you. We saw this happen where Barnabas stood up for Paul against the opposition that was happening when no one wanted to receive Paul as a disciple and as a follower of Jesus. 
And then we saw Barnabas stand against Paul when Paul wanted to kick John Mark out of the circle and not take him on the journey with them as they were traveling. And we see that that's the kind of friend Barnabas is, and it's in the midst of that kind of even tension of those relationships where iron is sharpening iron. And so that's why we need a Barnabas in our lives. And so we prayed and talked. And I pray for some of you that made that statement saying, I want a Barnabas in my life, that God even began providing some of those relationships in your life. Then we get to the third person over here who's reaching their hand down the mountain. This person we talked about last week. This is the third person every person needs. We need a Paul in our lives. And a Paul, Pastor Ron had shared about uh, a Paul, is like a spiritual father. It's a mentor in our lives, someone that's pouring into us, someone that's discipling us, someone that is farther along in the faith that could reach down and say, come follow me in the same way that I'm following Christ. And I want you to know, when we have someone like that in our lives, it can make all the difference. It can change us. It can do so much for us. And so we talked about that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But then the final person, the one reaching up the mountain that's holding on, that is extending a hand towards that Paul is a Timothy. And a Timothy is a son in the faith. A Timothy is someone that's being mentored, someone that is being poured into. And I want you to know that what God has done in you, his desire is that it doesn't stay within you, but that it's passed on and passed down. And you help others come further in the faith than even you've gone. And so this is what we see in God's word. And so we're going to be introduced to Timothy this morning. We're going to spend a few moments in time looking at God's word, understanding where Timothy shows up, and then understanding some practical ways that we can understand what it means to have a Timothy in our lives. And for some of you, to become a Timothy, maybe. You're looking for someone to mentor you or pour into you. So let's turn in our Bibles, if you have them, with you to Acts chapter 16. You can look on your phone. You can pull one of the Bibles right in front of you in the pew, um, or all the words are going to be up here on the screen this morning. This is where we first come in contact with Timothy. Timothy's a young man that Paul meets when he's on his journey. And let's read together in Acts chapter, one, uh, chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, and whose father was Greek. And the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So we see that this man, Timothy, he's a young man. They believe by the time we reach him here in Acts chapter 16 that he may be around 17 years old in his late teenage years. And he's there, and there's something distinct about him. He's a believer in Jesus. He loves the Lord. People speak well of him. But we also see that his mother was a believer, that there wasn't just something that happened in him, but something that had been continually passed down to him. And we actually learn more about this if we look into 2 Timothy, because we learn about Timothy a lot in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, because he keeps coming up. Do you know why? Because the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he poured his life into Timothy. He poured himself into Timothy. And he helped reproduce the faith that was in his heart into the heart of Timothy, this young believer. And so we learn a lot about him. We hear about him a lot. And so we can really understand um, in, in, a, in an incredible way how God has formed him and shaped his life. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul's speaking to him and he says this to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I want you to know there's something beautiful to be said of having generations of godly influence in someone's life. 
I want you to know some of you can say amen to this. Ready? So get ready. You don't know where you'd be without a godly praying grandmother in your life. Come on, somebody. Come on. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I have... Um, I was a recipient of a godly praying grandmother that wasn't my grandmother, but one of my friend's grandmothers. Um, my grandmother loved the Lord. She prayed for me a lot, but I can remember a moment um, in time where God used somebody else's grandmother at a key moment in my life. I, I got hit by a car when I was 10 years old, um, crossing through a, a dangerous intersection, um, and uh, I got in a lot of trouble for that. It was all for a slush puppy, um, and it wasn't worth it. Um, I never got it. And when I crossed that street and I was in the hospital, one of my best friends at the time, her name was Stephanie, her grandmother um, lived with her, and so we'd always see her and talk to her. When she heard that I got hit by a car, she sent me a comic book, and the comic book was from her son, who was a famous comic book artist for Marvel, and uh, I was excited anytime she'd send me something. This was like a first edition comic book, and when I received it, I flipped it over, and on the back of it, the cardboard on the back she had written me a long note, and I was like so disappointed because I'm like, ah, you ruined the comic that I wanted to save. And, but then I read the note, and I remember it stood out to me. She said, you know, Chris, um, I'm so thankful that God spared your life. I pray for you often because I know that God has a great plan for your life. And, I, and at that time, I didn't even believe in God. At that time, I was just disappointed about that. But I believe God used, in, used a prophetic word through her to speak to something that God was trying to get my attention. And I look back now in hindsight, and I'm so thankful for those that are in the faith that have made a deposit into my life at different times, even when I wasn't recognizing it. Some of you are going to get a little further in your journey, and you're going to look back, and you're going to realize you are where you are today because somebody before you has poured into you because someone before you has sacrificed for you, because someone before you, and this may not be someone you're even related to, has just, has just been there at a key time to just deposit something in you. And so we see this, and Paul speaks of it when he's writing to Timothy, and this is at the end of Paul's life. He recognizes, look, the, the, the faith is just kind of cascaded down. It's there, and, and it's come through your grandmother and your mother, and there you are, and you all are loving the Lord, and I see that, that in you, Timothy. He said, I trust with everything that's in you. For Timothy, most people, you could identify with Timothy. He was young. Many believe he was in his late teens when he first uh, showed up here in the book of Acts. Um, the famous preacher John Stott described Timothy in this way. He said, he, wasn't very, he was very, very far from a stained glass saint, Timothy. Um, a halo would not have fit comfortably around Timothy's head, there's no evidence, um, the, the evidence is really plain that he was a real human being just like you and me. He had infirmity, he had vulnerabilities, and all those things which it entails. We get to learn a lot from Timothy through the way that Paul has to write to him and instruct him. We see Timothy goes through some challenges in his leadership and in his ministry. Um, and so we see Timothy is flesh and blood, and we get to learn a lot about him. But I want to go to the moment that I believe that Something clicked in Timothy's heart, and he truly decided it was time to step out and to reach out his hand, to reach his hand up, as we see here, and to take the hand of a Paul and go on a journey that would change his life. Because from this moment in Acts chapter 16, Timothy joins Paul on his missionary journeys, and it sends him in a direction that ultimately he begins pastoring churches, and he's used incredibly by God to see so many lives changed, to go further and to do more. And to continue on, even after Paul's time came to an end, 
That's the goal of our lives, that it isn't just about what happens in us, but about what God has called us to deposit in the next generation so they can continue to go further. I want you to know there's a generation of Timothy, 600 of them showed up on our lawn this last week. I want you to know there's a generation of young people that don't have to run away from the church or the faith, but that God's going to raise up to love the body of Christ, to love the work of God, and to make an impact for the kingdom. Amen? Come on, that was weak. But yes, I believe it. I hope someone will believe it with me. But I want you to something rests on us, church. For some of us here, God's raising you up. He's put something in you. He has seasoned your life. And he says at this hour, at this moment, you need a Timothy to come up alongside of you. You need to pour yourself into them at this season. We learn here in Acts chapter 14, if you go back just a few pages, if you're still open to the book of Acts, we learn a bit about the circumstances that I believe changed Timothy's life. Because by the time we get to Acts 16, Paul shows back up in Lystra, but this is his second time there. And when he shows up there, he, he meets Timothy, and Timothy wants to go on the road with him. But what astounds me is the circumstances under which Timothy would have seen Paul last time he saw him. Go back to Acts 14, verse 8. It says, in Lystra, there was a man who was lame. And he had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. And he listened to Paul as Paul was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up to your feet. And the man jumped up and began to walk. Isn't it amazing that God works miracles? He worked a miracle in this man's life. He still works miracles today. And I believe that this, in Lystra, in this town, this miracle would have been witnessed by so many, the Bible says. In fact, those that were there watching, and Barnabas and Paul were there working shoulder to shoulder, as they're sharing, they thought they were Greek gods, and they had to say, no, we're not. We're not. And they began to preach the gospel, and many put their faith in Christ. And I believe someone whose faith was ignited in that moment was this young man, Timothy. What's more amazing is what happens next. Because when you go down to verse 19 of Acts chapter 14, it says, Then some Jews came up from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowd over. And they stoned Paul, and they dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. So now this young man, Timothy, and all those out watching, see this man, Paul, get stoned and left for dead. It says this, but after the disciples had gathered around him, Paul got up and he went back into the city. And then the next day, he decided to leave on his own to go travel where he was. Isn't that amazing? Paul, the apostle, he goes and he is stoned for his faith and when he's at that low point he gets back up and he walks back in and he's like look you can take everything you want you're not going to stop me from preaching the name of jesus some of you oh if we had that faith church what would that look like i mean what would that look like he got up he goes back in but i believe there's something in that part right there that got into the heart of this young man timothy because when he shows up again two chapters later timothy says i want to hit the road with you he thinks, I want to go with you. I want to travel. I want to be where you are. It's like, didn't you see that he was stoned? Didn't you see everything that had happened? Here's what you need to know. Sometimes it's not just in your incredible successes that Timothy's walk and are attracted, but it's also in some of your greatest challenges that Timothy's are seen and they show up and they want to be there. And I can see how in Paul's life, it's not just when the man's healed out of a wheelchair, but it's also how Paul responded in great adversity that God 
needs the next generation to see, that God desires for the next generation to be equipped through. And this is what's happening here is that Paul's reproducing something. Something is attractive to Timothy. And so as, as they go and as they walk this journey, Timothy goes on the road with Paul. He takes the whole journey with them. He's on missionary journeys. They travel from city to city. And they're just doing life together, doing ministry together. They're sharing in the faith and they're learning. And, and what is being learned is that Paul is teaching through his life, through the way that he lives. And I want you to know I've had the privilege, and some of you as well, I've had the privilege of someone pouring into my life, someone being a Paul to me. When I came to the faith, I, I, I didn't have too many. I had a few friends. My best friend led me to the Lord, but I think quickly he realized, uh, you know, there's someone that has to kind of pour into Chris. And so we would spend time, he'd be like a Barnabas to me. And I had some friends that became like Barnabases to me. But I didn't really have someone that was in the faith that was far ahead of me that could help me understand what it was to walk this thing out. But there was a youth pastor. He had me and about 120 other students. His name was Pastor Rich Jones. And I can remember taking a ride with him and I got to sit in the front seat riding out to this youth camp uh, right about a year after I had come to Christ. And it was there that he began to ask me some questions about my future, began to ask me some questions about ministry. And I, I didn't piece it all together until afterwards, but he began to see potential in me. And that's what happens if you're going to be someone that's going to have a Timothy in your life. You have to learn to see potential in people. You have to learn what it means to see the way Jesus saw people. He didn't just see problems. He didn't just see uh, people. He saw potential in them, something that God wanted to do with them. And I want you to know if you pray and if God calls a Timothy into your life, he will show you. He'll give you eyes to see not just them, but the potential of what could be. And I had people in my lives that looked at me, and I'm so thankful they didn't just see who I was then, but they saw who I could become in Christ. And they said, I want to invest in that. And so my youth pastor, he began, Pastor Rich, he began to spend time with me. And God confirmed a calling in my life. And, you know, I knew uh, within a short period of time that God would send me uh, into ministry and I would begin to study. But if it wasn't for my relationship with Pastor Rich over the time, he was one of the greatest mentors and influences in my life. And you know what it looked like? It didn't look like us going and sitting in a classroom. We didn't do Bible studies every Thursday or Friday it wasn't a whole lot of those kinds of things. Do you know what it really was? It was him just allowing me to walk and watch, to walk a journey with him and watch the way that he lived his life before the Lord. And I want you to know that I learned some of the greatest things, yes, through the great things we did in ministry, and I got to have a front row seat to see, but I saw a lot to watch how this man who loved the Lord, how he fought the battles of the faith how he struggled, how he faced adversity and difficulties and challenges. He allowed me to be close enough and share life with me in such a way that he poured himself into me. You think, I think oftentimes we think that if we're going to have a Timothy, we got to sit them down and teach them a bunch of things that we know. And I want you to know something today. It's not about teaching and learning. It's about reproducing the faith in you into somebody else, pouring what God has done in your life and in your heart into someone else's life, into someone else's heart. I heard a great quote. It's worth repeating. It says that you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. It's not about getting your mind into someone else's mind. It's about your heart, this new heart that's been saved by Christ, being reproduced into somebody else so that they will carry the torch of the faith forward and further than you ever could. Are you with me today, church? This is what it's about. It's about someone else being able to continue on in the journey. It's about them seeing how you live your life before Christ. And so many are in need of that. 
We can see in the world and in society that there's a fatherless generation that is raised up. There are many that don't have fathers, but I want you to know there are many that desperately are coming into the kingdom of God and they need spiritual fathers. They need Pauls. There are Timothys that are there and we have to open our eyes to see it or we can miss them. They'll come and they'll go. But can we say, church, not on our watch, not for us. And some of you, you'll be so privileged to have someone come up to you at some point in time and see the way that you live your life. And they'll say, I want to follow Christ. I want to follow you. I want you to speak to me. I want you to pour into me. But that may be far and few between. For many, it may be you that recognizes the potential in someone else, in a young Timothy, and says, you know what? I want to walk a journey with you. And as God puts someone like that in your life and in your heart, God can do some incredible things through that. For you, you may feel, I'm not qualified to be a mentor. I'm not qualified to do anything like that. And I want you to know something today. Some of you, I believe you have more to offer than you could ever imagine. Because what you're not offering them is just your skills and your capacity and your, all the knowledge you have in this life. Some of that can be good for practical reasons. But what you're really offering someone is your faith. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're striving to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, if you're striving to walk with the Lord daily and spend time with Him, then I want you to know you have something to give to somebody else. And for Paul, who had so many incredible qualifications, and I'm going to invite Pastor Rick up at this time. Paul had so many incredible qualifications of what he could offer. But when he would speak to Timothy, he didn't often talk about any of those things. In fact, we see, and if you turn over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open still, 1 Timothy chapter 1, you'll see it on the screen here. I want us to just take a quick look at how Paul speaks to his son in the faith, how he speaks to this Timothy, someone else, because it shows us a few things about what we really have to offer, and maybe it'll show for some of you. Maybe if you're on the fence to say, I don't know if I could ever mentor someone. I want you to know for some of you, God's calling you to be a Paul and to have a Timothy to have someone that you're pouring yourself into. This is ladies and gentlemen. This is young and old. God may be putting someone in front of you. But what I love is Paul's heart and how it comes forward. Paul had a lot of credentials. He studied under the finest teachers. He was an apostle. He had worked miracles. He had done incredible things. He had seen incredible things. But when he began to speak to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, look at the way that Paul speaks. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength. I haven't done it in my own strength. He's given me the strength. He considered me trustworthy. It's not my own. He's given it to me. He's appointed me for his service. I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. And even though I was once a blasphemer, not a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and a Pharisee of the Pharisees, I was a blasphemer, and I was a persecutor, and I was a violent man. But I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Somebody say amen to that. Along with the faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right there. Let's just take a little bit of that. What's the posture of Paul's heart as he's speaking to a Timothy? He's not teaching him just from his successes. He's saying, son, come learn from this. Christ has done everything for me. He's given me every ounce of strength that I have. I've learned to lean on him. I've learned to see his faithfulness in the struggles. 
I know I may seem like I have a great ministry and have started these churches, but I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was an angry man. But this is what the Lord has done in me. He's poured out his grace on me abundantly. I want you to know for this young man, Timothy, and we learn about this because he has to say things to him like, hey, don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. So there was a timidness inside of Timothy, maybe. He began to talk to him about, you know, prescriptions on how he could settle his stomach, that evidently there was some kind of sickness or some kind of illness. I mean, this wasn't a man that was perfect, this young man, Timothy. And Paul sympathized with him through his own weakness, said, look, I'm not who I am for any other reason than Christ's mercy and grace have been poured into my life. And I want you to know something today. If you realize and you live in the reality that you aren't where you are because of you, but because of what Jesus Christ has done in you, then it qualifies you to tell that to somebody else. If you realize that, if you recognize that, it's not for you, but it's by the grace of God. You may feel like, I don't have, anyone to, I don't have anything to offer anyone. I want you to know somebody is where you were. And if by the grace of God, God has brought you forward, you can step alongside of them. And you can say, come on, come on, you can come too. You're stuck there in the cliff, but come on, you can come on up. You don't have to be there. You don't have to stay there. Don't let them get stuck where maybe you got stuck and God's grace has rescued you. Help someone else so they can go further. They can avoid those pitfalls. But do you see the level of vulnerability that's here? So it requires you being willing as time goes on to open up your heart, open up your life. And here's what Paul says. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is what Paul writes towards the end of his life. This is what Paul writes to Timothy when he's sitting in prison and he's about to die. This is the last words he shares. He says, I may be done. He, in fact, tells him, I'm about to be poured out like a drink offering. He says, but son, go forward in the faith. Go further than I ever could. John says, there's no greater joy, no greater satisfaction than my children walk in the truth. This is what we want to see happen in our own natural lives, in our own families, in our own biological children, adopted children. But I want you to know something, that whenever you can have a Timothy or two that God will bring into your life and you can see them walk in the truth because you've helped in some way, shape, or form to allow Christ to be reproduced in them. Oh, it'll fill your heart with such gratitude. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I get to stand and preach today. And I know Pastor Rich is preaching at his church that he's just recently started in Philadelphia. And I know I wouldn't be where I am today without him. But he brought me along. He brought a few of my friends. I can remember one of my best friends in particular, late nights, 1.30 in the morning at Taco Bell, sitting there just talking about life as teenagers. Guess what? Both of us are in ministry today. He was just willing to open his life up to us pour into us, to be a Paul, to allow us to be a Timothy. Where would the world be? Where would the church be if we could be intentional about this church? Amen? This is what God wants to do in and through us. This is what God wants to do to change the face of a whole generation. But you got to be willing to be vulnerable. You don't have to be perfect. Please, don't think you have to do that. You don't have to achieve some level of superiority. Here's what has to happen. You have to be one that's leaning on, relying on the grace of God every single day in your life desiring to follow Jesus and then call someone behind you to come and follow Jesus the way you're following Jesus. It's not about reproducing yourself. It's about reproducing Christ in you, that it would happen in their lives and in their hearts. 
So here's what I want us to do today as we close out this series of messages. We all need these relationships in our lives. They're so vitally, vitally important. And again, I want to just remind you of these because God has sent each of these persons, these four people that every person needs it. He's provided them to us. And here's why. God has provided us and given us the Holy Spirit to empower us. God has given us a Paul to guide us, to be a mentor, to lead us in the faith. God has given us a Timothy to reproduce our faith so that we can pour out of ourselves what God has done for us into someone else. And God has given us a Barnabas to challenge us so that we can walk the journey, so that we can continue forward in those godly relationships. What would it look like five and ten years from now if you allowed God to allow these relationships to be begun, started and formed in your life? That you'll commit every single day to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to foster and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to rely on His strength to lead and guide you, to have a Paul that you'd invest in, you'd reach out to somebody that's further along in the faith than you've been and allow them to pour into you, to look to a Timothy, someone that God will bring into your life that you could pour into them and to have a, a Barnabas, an accountability friend, someone who will be iron sharpening iron in your life to challenge you in your growth with the Lord. So here's what I want you to do all the way at the end of your pew, if everyone will grab, and this is the way we're going to close today all the way at the right-hand side of your pews, every single one. You'll grab a stack of these cards, and could you help everyone else in your row by getting one and passing it down to them? We're all going to take this card, and as a way of just responding to what God's putting before us in this series, I want to invite every one of you to take a next step. These are the relationships that God has that He desires for us to have in our lives. These are the four people that every one of us needs. And for you, I trust for every person in this room to make that personal decision to commit to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit every day to seek his power and presence. But for these other three relationships in particular, the Paul, the Barnabas, and the Timothy, I want you to take a moment just to respond if God's putting something on your heart. And I want you to pray about that. Perhaps at some point in this series, you've responded to say, yes, I feel God is calling me to be a Paul or to be a Barnabas for somebody else. I want to avail myself. Or I feel God's calling me to be a Timothy. I need to reach out. I need to find somebody. I feel God's calling me to be one of these three people. I want all of these to be formed in your life along this season and the next years of your life. But if you would just take a moment to, to single out which one is most pertinent for you this season that you're walking through, which is that greatest priority in your life? Who do you feel God is calling you to be or calling you to during this season. And so if you feel God's calling you to be a Barnabas, a Paul, or a Timothy, would you just check that off? And maybe you would need help in finding one. You're praying and asking God to provide someone in your life. You need a Paul. You need a, a Barnabas. You're looking for a Timothy. Would you put that on the other side there? You can mark any of those, as many as you feel, but especially whatever God's birthing in your heart in this particular season. We're going to collect these on the way out. We're going to have the ushers by every door. And as you fill that out, would you just drop it there? And I promise you that I commit that me and our leadership, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God provides these in your life. But also, we have some different events. We have some different opportunities. We have some different times that we're going to be gathering as a body together in the next season. And I want you to see it not just as a small group season, not just as a men's event or a woman's event or a couple's thing or whatever it might be. I want you to see it as an opportunity where God might be answering your prayer and providing someone 
in your life that you've been praying for that God could use in a powerful way. Amen? Think back to those horses. One, 8,000 pounds. Two that are connected together, trained together, growing together more than they could ever imagine. May God bring into us these empowering relationships that are going to lead us forward and make us better as a result. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you today. Would you stand up today? And we're just going to pray to close out this series in our time together. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, and I thank you that you provided for us, Lord God, everything we need for life and godliness, Lord God. You provided us everything we need through the power of your name and through your grace and mercy in our lives. And Lord God, I thank you that you provide us with the Holy Spirit, that we can be empowered and walk in the truth, that we can never be alone. And I thank you that you provide the people on our left and on our right. I thank you, Lord, that you provide a Barnabas, Lord God, to challenge us that you provide a Paul to guide us, that you provide Timothys for us to reproduce our faith in. And Lord, I pray that in this next season, Lord God, you would begin to divinely orchestrate these things, Lord God. Those who in their hearts know, Lord God, these relationships need to be formed. Lord God, would you begin even in this house, in this body, to build those connections in those relationships, Lord God. And would it ripple out from here that generations, Lord God, would be impacted for eternity because of this. Lord, we just commit this to you, Lord God. We commit our response to you today. We worship you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. As you go today, please again, make sure you drop these off with the ushers by the doors. And uh, and we're going to just worship the Lord up front. If you need uh, prayer, you can come forward. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week as we kick off our next series. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.